0: Thank you again for joining us today, for all of you who are online. uh, We love being here, and uh, a lot of great and exciting things going on in our church. Uh, First, I I wanted to begin by telling you about an email that I received on Thursday from Pastor Igor and Lena. As you know, we we become really good friends with them Uh, there. He's a pastor in Ukraine And also leads a seminary there and uh, we just received an update from him and I wanted to rather than tell you what he said I'm gonna just read it to you so I'll put his email up up here for you he wrote every morning we are praising God that he is protecting our life on New Year's Eve we got a present from Putin 70 missiles and 40 drones and you can literally hear the drones in the sky um, we spent many hours in the parking garage. Right now, they are preparing new attacks, so we need your prayers. So that's his appeal to all of us that we would pray for him. However, in spite of the war, the last two weeks, we had 16 services in our church children's, youth, women's, men's, families, and etc. God is good. Thank you very much for all your prayers, love, and support. Please send your love to everyone send our love to everyone in the church. So that's Pastor Igor and Lenny. And again, it is, uh, it's, it's hard to conceive of what they must be going through when, when you, we think we have it bad here, but they hear the missiles and the bombs going off and the drones overhead. And at any moment, uh, you know, it could be the end of their lives. And so let's keep them in our prayers. And we will do that in just a moment. But, uh, it, it is really a privilege to be able to support them and pray for them you know today we're kicking off a brand new series here called 40 days of prayer and uh, I've been looking forward to this series for a long long time and helping get the most out of this series we um, we created this uh, prayer journal that uh, hopefully every one of you have if you have you just raise it up real high for everyone to see we all got one of these prayer journals and uh, good, that's exciting. If you need extras, there might be one on the seat next to you. And if there isn't, you can go into the lobby and get an extra copy. And they are yours. And, and for those of you who watch us from home, uh, if you gave us your contact information, we put those in the mail. And I hope, I hope that you received it. If you didn't, if you haven't ordered one yet, then please go to our uh, website or check on that uh, link in the chat box, or go to our website or our app, and you can order one. You can just fill, just give us your contact information, and we will send it out to you this week. They're free of charge, and we'll even cover the postage because we want so much for you to have these in your hands. And so, uh, and so we're excited about this, and uh, you know God's going to do some great things. Now, I want to just start by walking you through what we're going to be doing during these 40 days. All right. So I'm going to walk you through this first, we want you to use the prayer journal, go through the prayer journal. It's uh, fairly self-explanatory. If you open it up, there's a, an introductory page And then there's an instruction page. And I'm going to go through all this because you can do it a little later on. But there's an instruction page that tells you exactly how to journal these next 40 days. And then when you're ready to start, you go to day one and uh, you start journaling. Um, And you can start today. Today can be the first day. You can start tomorrow if you prefer. If you don't get the journal until later in the week, you can start when you get it. There is no starting date. Therefore, even if you start a little bit later, it's not like you have to try to catch up with everyone else and do two or three in one day. I mean, if you want to do two or three in one day, you can do that. Certainly you can do that. But we believe that if you will do this for 40 days, we believe it will change your life. And I'm not just saying that, I believe it because I've been journaling for a long, long time and it has changed my life. And this is an opportunity for us to go a little bit deeper. Second, during this series, we want to encourage all of you who are part of a life group to work through the weekly sermon based um, discussion questions. Pastor Dan will be sending those out to all the life group, group leaders probably on Sunday or Monday, if not sooner. And so if you don't mind hitting the pause button on whatever other materials you are going through at this time, and for just six weeks, you know, get your small group to focus on the discussion questions, and we believe that the questions will bring a greater clarity to you regarding each message, and also will help you to uh, grow deeper in your prayer life. Third, this is very exciting, third, starting this Thursday... January 19th, we are going to gather for prayer every morning on Thursday at 6 a.m. right here in this room. We're going to gather for prayer, again, just for the next six weeks, starting this Thursday. And so if you go to work, you can get here at 6. And you can leave by, if you need to leave by 6.30, then leave by 6.30. If you need to leave, then we'll be done by 7. We're going to end it at 7 o'clock. But then you can leave at 7 if you want to leave at 7. But we're going to do that. And we want to ask all of you to enter through the back of the church. That means when you drive in, drive all the way around to the back. And there's plenty of parking back there. And we want—we think it's a lot safer for you to park back there. We don't have to keep the front doors open and and have security. And so, uh, bring—you know—that'll be at six o'clock in the morning. Just come through on Thursday. Fourth. I want to invite you to all of you to attend our Desperate for God prayer meeting, which meets every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. It's led by Ernie and Donna Mays here. And it is in person here in the Faith Center every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And that is ongoing throughout the year. And uh, we also have a Zoom aspect of the prayer meeting. For for those of you who live a little bit far away, you can join us on Zoom. And, and what's cool about that is that you could live in Seattle, you can live in Hawaii. We have people on the East Coast join us at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for our 7 o'clock Zoom uh, prayer meeting, and we'll actually break people up into groups in our Zoom prayer meeting, and you'll get a chance to pray with one another. It is really cool. It is really inspiring. And So I want to invite you to check that out. Come to our Desperate for God prayer meeting at least once during these six weeks, and we think you'll be so hooked you want to keep coming. Fourth, well, that is that is the fourth one. Fifth, on the final weekend, on the final weekend of our 40 days of prayer, we're going to have a 24-hour prayer vigil. I am so excited about that. A 24-hour prayer vigil, which means starting on Friday, February 17th at 10 a.m. in the morning, we're going to pray for 24 straight hours right in this room, all right? And that means we're going to go from 7, from 10 a.m. on Friday all the way to Saturday at 10 a.m., which means we're going to pray all day long, and we're going to pray throughout the night. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to come for all 24 hours. Pastor Greg will be here for all 24 hours. I won't, but he'll be here for all 24 hours. Just come for one hour, all right? Just come for one hour in those 24 hours, and uh, and. Come at 1 o'clock in the morning. Come at 3 o'clock in the morning. Come in. I told our staff, okay, we're doing all the wee hours in the morning, okay? So you'll find us here at 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning. Come with your friends. Come with people in your life group. Come with your family members. Just grab the kids and tell them, hey, we're going to get up early tomorrow morning, and we're going to go pray first. We're going to get up at 4 o'clock, and we're going to pray first. And then we'll all go to breakfast. And the reason why we're doing it from Friday to Saturday is you can't, you don't have an excuse like, oh, we got, they got school, right? No, so they can just they can go back and go home and go to sleep if they want to. But it's a great teaching moment for the kids, for something you do with the kids. And, and so I want to encourage you to make it an event. We'll give you more information uh, as we get uh, closer to that. It's going to be really cool. Sixth, um, on the final weekend, also on the final weekend of our 40 days of prayer, we are going to be having, again, our three worship services, but they are in every sense of the word going to be a worship service because all three services, we're going to really, it's going to become like a concert. And we're going to spend the entire time just praising God and worshiping God. And I don't know if you've ever been to one of our worship nights. It'll be kind of like that. It is so cool. And so don't miss that. It's going to be really great. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And finally, and I think uh, Daniel mentioned this one, but finally, the next weekend, we're gonna follow all this up and we're gonna have a baptism service right here in the, serv- in the service. Uh, so for those of you who've never taken the plunge, right, this is a great opportunity to come before your church family and declare your love for Jesus Christ. That's what baptism is. And as he mentioned, we've got some orientations coming up. And so we have got an exciting lineup of things for the next six weeks and I, and I hope you won't miss it. And if you're kind of forgetful like me, you might wanna just take a picture of that and of course, you can always refer to our website, go to check out our app, and all this information will be there. And as we get closer to these things, um, we'll let you know. But first thing, start today, if you want, with your prayer journal. And then don't forget the prayer meeting on Tuesday night and prayer, uh, Thursday morning prayer at 6 a.m. It is going to be great. We don't want you to miss it. And, and, but you know who would want you to miss all this? The devil would want you to miss all this. You know, I just want you to know, he, he would love for you to miss all this because just as God is working, our, our enemy is also working. Trust me on this one. Satan is working. He's pulling out all the stops. He's going to pull out all the stops to get you not to go to church. He's going to get you not come up with all kinds of excuses about why you shouldn't do your prayer journal, about why shouldn't, you shouldn't come to Thursday morning prayer, Tuesday, Tuesday evening prayer. He's going to do everything he can to distract you and discourage you and attack you you to think that prayer doesn't work, but don't let them fool you. Prayer is powerful. Resist him and, and he'll flee from you and God will do some wonderful things in your life. All right, so now before I get into today's message, I wanna pray, but I just have one prayer request that I wanna share with you, and this is kind of a tough one. You may have heard that on Friday, a Riverside County uh, Sheriff's Deputy, Daryl Calhoun was shot and killed in the line of duty. This is the second one, Uh, out of riverside county um the last two weeks deputy calhoun this is him here was was the brother 30 years old was the brother of one of the ladies who attends our young adult ministry in fact darnice was at our retreat just last weekend um and so this one really hits close to home darnell um is expecting a baby and um and so please pray for darnice pray for his family um boy when you when you hear things like this, and especially you, know, you hear it in the news and think you know, oh that's terrible but boy when you when you you realize it affects somebody in our church, it hits so close to home and it is so painful and it is so it just reminds me even pastor igor 's uh, email reminds me of how much we need God, right we are so desperate for god so let's 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 pray for for both of them let 's pray for the the Chucks, and let's pray for uh, Darnese and her family. Okay, let's, let's come before the Lord. Oh, Father, we are so excited about all that you're doing here, and I'm so thankful, Father, that we get to talk about prayer because when we hear stories, things going on in Ukraine and all the evil that is going on there, and our, we have brothers and sisters and friends right in the midst of it, when we hear of this terrible tragedy that claimed the life of another law enforcement officer, but this time it was somebody who is you know, related to somebody in our church, are it, it, just no words. And all we know, Lord, is to speak our words to you and to cry out to you. And I know that there are other people in our church at this very moment. They're just going through some really tough times the loss of family members, illness, surgery, sickness, financial difficulties. Father, you know who they are, even those who are watching online. And I pray, Father, I just beg you, God, will you touch each and every one of them? Father, will you touch Darnese and and Daryl's family, his wife and his parents? I don't know that they'll ever make sense of of, of of this of this evil in the world. But I pray God that you would bring comfort to them only and only like you can. So touch them and Father continue to protect Pastor Igor and Lena and their church. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ and God we ask because we we're helpless to do anything for them, but we're not helpless completely because because our prayers can move you to, to action, and so, God, we ask that you would you would do a great and mighty work in the lives of these people. Lord, do a great and mighty work in our lives today. I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would change us, help us to understand prayer in a better way. So thank you, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, recently, I heard a story that Dr. Tony Evans told about two guys who got together, and they started chatting the two friends, and, and the conversation turned to spiritual things. And one of the guys said to the other, he says, you probably don't know anything about the Bible, do you? He says, in fact, I'll bet you 10 bucks you don't even know the Lord's Prayer. He said, oh yeah? All right, you're on. They shook hands, you're on. I know it. All right, well, let's hear it. So the man began. He said, now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take." And the man, just the other man, just laughed, and he said, ha oh. ha And he reached in his pocket, pulled out 10 books, and said, I didn't think you knew it. <laughs> you know, it was around the fall of last year that God just impressed on my heart the need for this series on prayer. Because of all the crazy things that are going on in the world today, and, and we heard about a couple of them just this morning. We just prayed about a couple of them. And the, the problem is, right, when it comes to prayer, the problem is prayer is hard. It's hard. It's difficult. Paul Miller, who wrote a terrific book on prayer called A Praying Life. If you want to read a great book on prayer, that's the book right there, A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And I'm going to quote him a couple times throughout this message. But he said, the hardest place to pray uh, in the world is in American culture. He said, this is it. You 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 want challenges in praying? This is, be right here in the United States, and this is the hardest place to pray. Because everything in our culture assaults our senses by what C.S. Lewis called the kingdom of noise. We are assaulted by the kingdom of noise. In other words, so many distractions, everything, and, and everyone vying for our attention to keep, take us away from God. And it might be the demands of a relationship, demands of work, demands of school, de- demands of entertainment, demands of social media. I can't tell you the number of times I sat down to pray, and in about 15 seconds into my prayer, a thought will pop into my head. It might be something on today's to-do list, a conversation I need to have with someone at church, uh, an errand I need to run for Cheryl, a book I need to order from Amazon, or the interruption might come from the buzzing or the quivering of my phone. It's another notification, this time from Ring Doorbell letting me know that there's somebody, somebody at the door at my house. Or it might be a notification that the trailer for the new Marvel movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp, just was posted. And so rather than continue in prayer, I click on that link because I want to see the trailer. And in an instant, my prayers come to a crashing halt. Has that ever happened to you? And almost instantly, I begin to feel guilty. And then another thought pops into my head. What a lousy Christian you are, Gary. In fact, you're a pastor, so what a terrible pastor you are. Does that ever happen to you? Well, you may not be a pastor, but I'm sure it's happened to you. Or maybe you run into somebody at church and they tell you about some great need they have in their lives. And so they 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 ask you, Will you pray for me? And and you say, I sure will. I'll see you later. And you take off. And you forget to pray for them. Does that ever happen? Happened to me all the time. Of course, you know, once again, you, you begin to feel guilty. You're like, what's wrong with me? I promised to pray for them and I didn't. And have you ever done that as well? Yeah, I'm sure you have, right? And I love what Paul Miller said about this. He said, quote, Our natural desire to pray comes from creation. We are made in the image of God. In other words, what he said was, man, we, we really want to pray. You know, God put it in us to pray, to want to pray and to talk to God. And then he added this. He said, but our inability to pray comes from the fall. We want to talk to God, but can't. The friction of our desire to pray combined with our badly damaged prayer antenna leads to constant frustration. It's as if we've had a stroke. In other words, I mean, we want to pray, but it's so hard. We can't. We even see this in the scriptures. In the wee hours of the morning before Jesus was crucified, he was gathered in the Garden of Gethsemane with some of his followers, and Jesus asked them to pray. Mark 14, I'll put it up here for you. Mark 14, 38, Jesus said, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Please pray, he said. Please pray. What did they do? Verse 40. And again, again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. They went right to sleep. They didn't pray. Their eyes were heavy. They're droopy. And when he came back, they were like, they were lost for words. They didn't know what to say. They were embarrassed. They were ashamed. They felt guilty. The Lord asked us to pray, and here we are, and we're sleeping. They say they, words, their words failed them, but there, there was no explanation. But there was an explanation. It was their humanness. It was their brokenness caused by the fall. And that's why praying is, is such a difficult proposition because we're constantly battling our humanness and our desire to pray, but we're constantly battling our humanness. So how do we overcome the obstacles and how do we begin to pray as God intended us to pray? Well, you might read a good prayer book like Paul Miller's book. I've read a whole bunch of books on prayer. You might join a Bible study on prayer so that you can learn more about prayer. prayer. You might hear a good message on prayer. In fact, we'll hear you'll, you'll hear five or six of them in the next few weeks. You might attend a prayer meeting and say, well, I'm just going to go and try to pray. You might make every effort in, in, to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I just going to wake up at five every morning to pray for a whole hour before you go to, to church. And therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. Unless you possess the discipline of an army general, very likely after a few days, after a few weeks, after a few months, your commitment to prayer is going to begin and wane and things creep in and you get busy and Thoughts pop into your head, and uh, before you know it, prayer kind of just falls off the grid. Well, Miller said something rarely, very interesting in his book that I think is one of the most profound statements on prayer that I've ever heard, and, and, and I'll put it up for you. Here's what he said. Oddly enough, many people struggle to learn how to pray because they are focusing on praying and not on God. Isn't that good? We struggle to pray because we focus on praying and not on God. That that statement just hit me right between the eyes. In, In our quest to become people of prayer, so often we focus on prayer and not on God. You see, the problem is prayer is not the end. God is the end. Prayer is the means to the end. It is not the end, God is the end. So if you don't get anything out of this series or today's message, I hope you get this, that prayer is not about prayer. Prayer is about God. Prayer is all about God. Now, for those of you who are familiar with uh, my story, I became a Christian at Pepper 9 when I was 20 years old. Uh, Before that faithful day, and I can tell you the date, I won't tell you the year, October the 10th when I walked up in front of the chapel and gave my heart to Christ. But before that faithful day when I did that, in the days leading up to that, in the weeks leading up to that, I got involved in a Bible study and all those kinds of things. And uh, I had never talked to God. Up until that point, I had never talked to God. But I had chanted. I chanted. See, whenever my parents took um, me and my brother to the Buddhist temple, uh, we would say this phrase over and over and over again, Uh, we chanted because that's what Buddhists did. And it was was in Japanese. And here's the thing. I had no idea what I was saying. And I had no idea why I had to say it over and over and over again. Couldn't I just say it once and that's enough? No, but you got to say it over and over and over again. And uh, I had no clue what I was saying and, and why I had to say it so often. So this time... This week, for the very first time, I looked up that phrase. I looked up what I was chanting. I looked it up. I Googled it and I found out what it meant for the very first time. And I was shocked at what I learned. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'm not going to advertise it. But according to several Buddhist websites, the phrase that I grew up reciting over and over and over again was, Hail Buddha. How about that? Hail Buddha or homage to Buddha. And the reason why you have to say it over and over and over again is because in Buddhism, the way you attain rebirth in what they call the pure land, you want to get into the pure land, the way you do it is by chanting the phrase over and over and over again. You got to keep doing it. Once is not enough. And thus, Buddhism is a religion of works just like all the other religions in the world. It's a religion of works, meaning you gotta do something to get something. That's how religions work. You gotta do something to get something. And uh, that was the extent you gotta, in order to get to the pure land, you gotta chant and chant and chant and chant. That was the extent of my prayer life when I joined that Bible study. And uh, I don't think I've ever shared this with the church, but in the weeks leading to my decision to become a Christian, as I was in this Bible study with these guys, doing a deep dive into Christianity, which I knew nothing about, something strange started happening to me. Something really strange started happening to me. When these guys were done praying in our Bible study, they would, they would pray. And I was so blown away by their eloquence. And, uh, and then one day, I found myself praying. It was the weirdest thing. I found myself praying. I'd be walking to class. And I, and I found myself. I would catch myself talking to God. It was so weird. I remember to this day, even though it was decades ago, or I would be in a library studying for an exam. And out of nowhere, I would find myself just talking to God. And I wasn't closing my eyes. Remember that distinctly. I wasn't closing my eyes. I was just talking to God. As naturally And it came as naturally as I would talk to you. When I lay down to sleep at night, I found myself thanking God for the day. And this was so out of character for me because I'd never talked to God ever in my life before. I chanted, but never talked to God. And somehow I just found myself drawn to him, just drawn to him. First, because of his love. The guys would tell me in the group, Gary, God loves you. Do you know that God loves you? And I'd think, what? Why would he love me? Well, why would he love me? Uh, I'm not a straight-A student. You know, I'm not a Calvin Klein model. I I don't have the heart of Mother Teresa. Uh, I don't come from a prominent and wealthy family. I was a nerd, right? I I was as ordinary as ordinary can be. I've told you that before. I was ordinary. I, I was uh, at the top of the class in terms of ordinariness, and on top of that, I was selfish. I had, I had lust in my heart. There were parts of me that were so broken, and I was the guy I had to go to the temple and say, Hail Buddha, Hail Buddha, Hail Buddha, over and over and over again. Why would God love me? And I didn't figure it out until years later, reading the Bible, getting into the scriptures. It dawned on me why God loved me. And it was just because. He loved me just because. God loved the Jews in the same way. Take a look at what Moses said about God's love for Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Moses, speaking about God's love for Israel, he said, For you, the Jews, the people of Israel, are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who were on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord said his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. I mean, God didn't love the Jews and choose them to be his treasured possession because they were the most powerful people on earth, because they were the awesomest people on earth. Is awesome as a word, I don't know. Right, He didn't love them because of their numerical strength or because of their intellectual prowess or because of their physical appearance. He just loved them just because. Verse 8. And I came to learn that he loved me in the same way. And, And guess what? He loves you in the same way. He loves you just because. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I said I was nerdy and I was awkward and I had I dreaded I dreaded PE I dreaded PE because the teacher would line us up if you're a teacher don't ever do this right he would line you up and he would pick the two best players and they were sixth grade right and pick the two best players and he would ask them made them team caps and would they had to pick the teams and I hated PB, and we were getting ready to play kickball or dodgeball, and I hated it because I always got picked last. It was me and Bonnie, (laughs) seriously. I'm not gonna, I I hope she's out there, you know, I don't know, but I won't tell you her last name, but it was me and Bonnie, and it crushed me every time Robert, and I can tell you Robert's last name because I remember to this day, Robert would say, All right, I'll take Gary. (laughs) You know what that does to a kid, right? If you look at Deuteronomy 7, 7 again, it says, the Lord set his love on you, and he chose you. Not only did he love you, but he chose you, right? The Hebrew word for chose, bakar, and it means to select. He selected you. Think about that. Out of all the people on planet Earth, he Selected you to be the object of his love. And he did so, he did so without the slightest hesitation, without any reservation. All right, I'll pick you. No, that's not God. I'll pick you. He did it with relish. I want you on my team. And then in John 15, 16, Jesus doubled down on this idea. Take a look at John 15, 16. I love this. My favorite. I, I made this my life first, by the way. Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. The Greek word for chose is eklego, and it means to pick out of. I picked you out of everyone else. That's what it means. He picked you out of everyone. You know, there are more than 8 billion people on planet Earth now. We had 8 billion right after January 1st. He picked you out of all these people. Eklego refers to a highly deliberate choice. One Greek dictionary I read said that Eklego refers to a real heart preference. A real heart preference. In other words, God's selection of you, it originated in his heart. Right here. Right here you right here. Why? How do we know? How do we know God loves us? Because he demonstrated his love for us by sending his son to die on a cross for our sins. That's how we know. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows us, he shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just say, I love you, I love you, I love you. No, he showed us that he loves us by dying on a cross for our sins. And that's how we know that he loves us. And so he loves us and he chose us just because. You know, now one of the side effects of sin is that it can do a number on your conscience. It can do a number on your conscience and your conscience, your conscience is why sin can make you feel Dirty. That's what conscience does, can make you feel dirty. So for example, if you lie to your spouse, you lie to your significant other, you lie to your boss, you lie to your children, your children, you lie to your parents, your conscience will kick in and begin to eat away at you, and you begin to feel bad about the fact that you told a lie. Or you get high, let's say you get high on alcohol or pot, may feel good for the moment, but then your conscience will kick in, and after a while, you begin to feel really sickened by that high. Or if you watch porn, it can be really euphoric for the moment. But after a while, you begin to feel absolutely filthy. That's your conscience. It's, it's, here's the problem. It's when you don't feel anything that that's when you begin to, sk- to skate on thin ice, when you don't feel anything. The Bible refers to this phenomenon as having your conscience seared. That word seared is the word cauterized. It's when your conscience becomes seared or cauterized, that's when it becomes dangerous. In other words, when you keep committing the same sin over and over and over again, at some point your conscience will become seared so you become completely desensitized to what you're doing, and sin no longer is sin to you, and, and the danger is that's when God will give you up. He'll say, I give up. Do what you want. And we see that in Romans 1. That's a danger. That brings me to one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. Isaiah 1.18 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. So this is God speaking. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Right? Now, in this verse, sin is described as the color scarlet and the color uh, crimson, right? Which are both red. Those colors are, are red. Now red the reason why red was chosen to depict the color uh, was the color red was chosen to depict sin is because it goes back to verse 15 put it up here for you which is that the people's hands were full of blood right and they, they were they were murderers they were violent and so sin uh, was represented by the color red and and I want you to make note of the the word crimson here which in the Hebrew is the word tola. This is really interesting. Stay with me on this one, right? The definition of tola, Hebrew, crimson, tola. Tola, you know what it means? It means worms. It's a, it's a noun, worms. And so, uh, let me show you. Here's a picture of tola right here. This is a picture of tola. Worms. That's what tola is. That's what crimson is. And did you know there's an actual word for a whole bunch of Worms it's the word clue, right? English lesson here. C-L-E-W. Never knew such a word existed, but I looked it up. A clue of worms would be a whole bunch of worms, right? And thus, sin is like a clue of worms. That's what this says in Isaiah. And we see this in Isaiah 14.11. 14.11 says, your pomp is brought down to Sheol, Sheol is the place of the dead, your pomp, your pride, in other words, your arrogance is brought down to the place of the dead, the sound of your harps, the maggots are laid as bed beneath you, and worms are your cover, in other words, those who are prideful will end up in the place of the dead, where maggots will be your bed, and, and worms will cover you up, and the point is, a clue of worms will literally devour your soul, sin will devour your soul. That's what sin does. Now, now, take a look at the contrast. Isaiah 1:18. The contrast is in that second phrase. They shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. The contrast is the whiteness of snow. It is the whiteness of wool, which represents purity. White represents purity. The promise here is that our sins will be washed away. Our sins will be, we will be made completely clean. Your slate will be wiped off. You will be white as snow, white as wool. Colossians 2, 13, Paul said, when you were dead in your sins, that's what sin does, right? It kills us. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Because Christ died, God forgave me of all my sins. Recently, I came across a prayer by one of the Puritans. It was written in Old English, and I'll read it to you. Just as he he wrote it, there was no name to who who, who said this prayer, but here's what it said, and I love it. He said, It is fitting thou shouldst not regard me, for I am vile and selfish. Yet I seek thee, and when I find thee there, When I find thee, there is no wrath to devour me, but only sweet love. Man, I love this. In other words, what he was saying is, it is fitting that you should regard me. I get it, God. I get it that you would not regard me, for I am vile and selfish. Yet I will seek you, and when I find you, when I find you, there is no wrath on your part that will devour me. But only your sweet love. I love that prayer. Isn't that a great prayer? Another reason why I was drawn to the Lord was not simply because He loved me and He chose me just because, but because there was no wrath to devour me. I, there was no condemnation in Christ. When I found Christ, I came to Him and I just, all I found was His sweet love. I found that I was washed, away, I was washed clean by the blood of Christ. I was made white as snow, white as wool. Though my sins were made like like scarlet, they were made as white as snow, they were like crimson, they became like wool. He wiped away my ledger. He allowed me to be born again. He made me a new creature in Christ. And from that moment on, I was his. I was his, and he was mine. I love the sentiment the Lord expressed in Isaiah 43, 1. He said, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Here it is. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, and you are mine. 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 Not only did I become God's child, he became my father. He became my father. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is a cool thing. This is a good thing. I'm not an only child. Right? He became my father, but I'm not a, I'm not the only child. And we see this when Jesus taught his disciples to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is not, now I lay me down to sleep, right? But it begins in Matthew 6 9, and we'll look at this later on during the series. But Matthew 6 9, Jesus said, Pray pray then like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and on and on, right? Our Father. In other words, there's more than just one child in his kingdom, right? We are all his children, therefore he is our Father. He's not just my Father, he is our Father. It is plural, he's your Father too, and the point is that God is relational. He is relational, he is personal. God is not God, oh God! No, he's my daddy. He is my father. Second Corinthians 618 says, and I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. You're my daughter. You're my son. You're my son. You're my daughter. We are his father. And right out of the gate, so right out of the gate in those early days of my faith, I got a taste of what it was like to be, a, to be a Christian and start talking to God. And praying was the easiest thing. It was so natural. It just came so easily. You millennials call it organic. It's just organic, right? That's what prayer is, right? It's the, that's the easiest thing to do. But in our request to improve our prayer life, we tend to put all the focus on praying. I've got to pray. I've got to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I've got to do all these things. We've got to stop putting the focus on praying and start putting the focus on God. When you put your focus on your Father, you, you will want to pray all day long. You will want to pray all day long. You know, when I started talking to God, I experienced a peace, a serenity, um, a, a divine presence that I could only describe as uncanny. It was as if, for the first time in my life, this 20-year-old kid was living in the presence of, of God. And that's what it's like. And that's my hope and prayer for you, that you will, throughout this series, begin to start talking to God because He is your Father, because you are His, because He loved you and chose you just because, because He wiped your slate clean. Let me close with this. About a month ago, I had a, re, a routine appointment with an ophthalmologist because there's a history of glaucoma in my family. And so um, because of that history, uh, my, my optometrist, Dr. Dale, uh, he prescribed some drops for me a while back. And he says, OK, well, you need to put these drops in your, in your eyes um, every single night right? And he says, it'll prevent the onset of glaucoma, which is the leading cause of blindness among people over 60 years old. So when I went to see the ophthalmologist, he dilated my eyes, was checking my eyes and all that kind of stuff. And he said, how often do you use your drops? And I thought, okay, you know, I'm a pastor. I can't lie. All right. So about three or four times a week, Hmm. he said, okay. He said, and then he said something to this effect. He said, There is a possibility that you could go blind because you'll get glaucoma because you're not using the drops every single day. There is that distinct possibility that that could happen. And I just sat there and I was like stunned, like, wow. And I thought, what would happen if I go blind? I'd never see my grandkids, if I ever have grandkids. I'll never see my wife's face and my daughter's face ever again. I'll never see another sunset. I'll never see another angel game. I'll never watch another Korean drama on Netflix. (laughs) And I won't be able to read my Bible. And then the doctor said this, I'm not kidding you. He said, if you knew he said, if you knew that by putting these drops in your eyes every single day without fail, every single day, if you knew that you did that, it will keep you from going blind, will you do it? And I said, of course, absolutely. And then he said, then do it. Put them in every single day. Don't miss a single day. And I haven't. Last night, I lay down about 12 30, and I was reaching for my drops, and, and it was empty. And I thought, oh, I have to get up and get them. I thought, no, I'm just too tired. I'm just gonna go sleep. And then I thought, oh, but you're telling everybody you're doing it every single day. You haven't missed a single. So I got up, (laughs) found another bottle, and put it in my eyes. And so I haven't missed a day. Well, prayer is a lot like these drops, right? You don't want to fail to pray. You don't wanna miss a single day. You don't want a single day to go by without you talking to God. Why? Because of his sweet, sweet love for you. Because he chose you. Because he forgave you. Because you are his and he is yours. That's what prayer is all about. And so be here every single week for the next six weeks. Start doing your devotions. Most of all, talk to God and when you do, I would appreciate your prayers for one thing because after more than 40 years as your senior pastor, I decided after a lot of soul searching and and prayer to pass the leadership, the senior pastor leadership baton on to Pastor Greg beginning July 1st. Now I'm not gonna use the word uh, retirement because I disdain that word and you don't retire from preaching the gospel and you don't retire from a calling, right? But I believe time has come to pass the the mantle of leadership on to Pastor Greg. And I don't plan to ride off into the sunset. I don't plan to spend all my time playing uh, pickleball or going fishing. And I'm not going to another church because this is my church and you are my family, all right? I plan to be around here and I wanna continue to do, do life with you because you are the most important people in my life. And most importantly, I wanna be here to support Pastor Greg in any way that I can. He has said to me uh, that he wants me to be, continue to be in the speaking rotation. So um, maybe to some of your chagrin, I'm gonna continue to be up here. Uh, I'm gonna focus on, I wanna focus on training leaders both here and abroad in the mission field. But first I wanna, you know, this will be in July, but first I'll take some time off to recharge my batteries. So I'm excited for this new season. And I'm just so thankful that God brought Pastor Greg to us more than 10 years ago. And I believe that God has prepared him. I believe that he's ready. I believe he's the man to lead our church. And I think he's going to do an outstanding job. So my prayer request is that you would pray for him as he prepares to embark on this new journey and that you would pray for me because I've never done this before, that God would show me all the things he wants for me this next season and pray for our church, that God would Continue to shine his face upon us. All right? So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for you. And prayer is just something we do to talk to you. and we thank you and we want to talk to you because there's no one like you. We're just, we stand in amaze in amazement in awe of you that you would love us, every one of us, just because. That you would choose us just because. And because Christ died, you forgave all of our sins that we might stand before you every single day holy and blameless in your sight that's just crazy to me and thank you for making us yours and thank you for being our father Lord let that be the reason why we want to pray to you every day like I need to lose use these drops every day right now as you're continue to have your, your heads bowed and your eyes closed I just want to say this there may be somebody here today and I wouldn't doubt that there is or somebody watching online and you've never talked to God talk to God today talk to Him right now say something like this Dear God, I believe you're real. Thank you for loving me just because. And thank you for choosing me to know you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Help me to walk with you and to follow you every day. Will you pray that prayer to him? If you do, it will change your life because there is a God and because he does love you, because he is real. When you talk to God, you're not talking to air. You're talking to the God of the universe. Father, thank you again. Man, we love you so much. Thank you for this incredible journey that you allow each and every one of us to experience, and that's knowing you. Lord, in this series, bless us even more. Help us to become aware of you even more, and to use our jobs and talk to you every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.